0: Hello, this is the Buddhism Guide podcast, and I'm Karmayashi Rabge. You can find more of my podcasts, as well as blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices at buddhismguide.org. If you wish, you can support future episodes of this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash buddhismguide. I hope you enjoy this podcast. This episode is called 37 Practices, uh, Part 1. The 37 Practices of uh, Bodhisattva is by Togmi Sangpo. He was a Tibetan uh, Buddhist scholar. It was written in the 13th century. So as a young boy he was born in 1295 and his mother died when he was three, his father died when he was five and so his relatives looked after him until he was nine and then they put him in a monastery and he stayed in the monastery for the rest of his life teaching and studying. He did three uh, great works that uh, he's known for. One is commentary on the seven points of mind training, Lojong. Another one was a commentary on the Bodhisattva way of life called Oceans of Great Sayings. And this one, the 37 practices. So in the 8th century, uh, Shantideva wrote a book called the Bodhisattva way of life. And these 37 practices come from that uh, Bodhisattva way of life. So he condensed them down into 37 practices that a Bodhisattva would do. So a Bodhisattva, there is many definitions for Bodhisattva. So one definition is a Buddha in waiting. They've reached such a high level that they can become a Buddha, but they don't. They stay as a Bodhisattva so they can help all sentient beings. That's one definition. Another definition is the Bodhisattva is a name for mythical deities such as Manjushri or Avalokiteshvara. Another definition is that Buddha's early years in the Jataka tales, he's called a Bodhisattva in that. The definition that I'll be using here is that a buddhisattva is an ordinary person, like you and I, that's on the path to awakening. So it means that a person that's on the path towards awakening does these 37 practices. Awakening here means that we see the world the way we want to see it. We see the world through our own perceptions, our own concepts, our own biases, our habits. That's how we see the world. We don't see the world as it really is. So it means that we're sleepwalking through life because we're seeing things the way we want to see them. So when we're on the path to awakening, we wake up from this sleepwalking. We wake up from the illusion of life and we see life as it really is. An ordinary person on the path to awakening. so an ordinary person that's on the path to waking up their mind to the reality of the way the world really is, is a buddhisattva. So that's what I'm talking about here when I talk about the 37 practices of a buddhisattva. We're talking about you and I on the path to awakening. So the first verse reads, The practice of all the buddhisattvas is to study, reflect, and meditate, timelessly, both day and night, without ever straying into idleness, in order to free oneself and others from this ocean of samsara, having gained this supreme vessel, a free, well-favored human life so difficult to find. So this first verse is that a buddhisattva on the path to awaken understands that he has this human birth. And this human birth is very precious. It's very special. And so he doesn't waste his life. He spends his time studying, practicing, contemplating, meditating, being mindful. So it means he can open up his mind. He can become awakened. So a lot of our day, if you sat back at the end of the day and reflected on the day you've had, a lot of it would be wasted on just nonsense. Talking about the weather, getting involved with things. You know, even when you're on the path to awakening, even sports, even you know, uh, spending time with loved ones, all these things are not going to get you to the path of awakening. So we have to understand that we have this human life and it's a special life and we should be using it. So number one priority in your life should be meditation, should be mindfulness, should be doing a reflection practice at the end of the day. This should be your key, Everything else after that, okay. But what it is, is everything before that. Let's do this and do this and this and this, and then I'll try to find time to meditate. So when you're on the path to awakening, it's the other way around. Our first priority is to meditate. Our first priority is to understand the workings of our minds because if we don't understand the workings of our mind then how are we going to change how are we going to wake up from this illusion from this sleepwalking so your first priority has to be meditation it has to be study we need to get knowledge so if we just sit down and meditate and we don't really know what i'm meditating on but i'll just sit there And I'll sit there for half an hour, and I do that every day. But I don't actually look at my mind. I don't understand impermanence, attachment, suffering, all of these principles. If I don't understand them, then what am I doing? I'm just sitting quietly for half an hour. Okay, there's a great benefit in sitting for half an hour. There's no doubt about that but we're not gaining anything. So first we have to study. We have to understand the key principles of impermanence, of non-self, cause and effect, suffering. If we study and uh, understand this as knowledge, it's our starting point. Then we have to meditate on those key principles. Because by meditating on them, they turn into wisdom. And from wisdom, then we can become awakened. So on this path of uh, awakening, there are two pillows. There's compassion and there's wisdom. And you can't have one without the other. You cannot be compassionate without wisdom, else it will be foolish compassion. And you can't have wisdom without compassion. Because if we think we have wisdom, but we don't have compassion for other people, then again, it's not real wisdom. This came about because uh, in a lot of the early teachings of um, uh, Buddhism, the translation of the early teachings of Buddhism, people thought the journey was uh, our heart. So it means that they they reach a certain level themselves, and it was all about where they got to. It was a selfish journey, really. So the Bodhisattva came around, came about, because Buddhism isn't about just us. Of course, we have to start with us, and we have to work on our mind. But we should be doing it for the sake of all sentient beings. We shouldn't be just doing it for ourselves we have to have compassion and wisdom. They have to go together. So we learn about this through study, through meditation, contemplation, and through practice. So this is the way we should be living our lives, this special life we have. You know, we can hear, so we can listen to teachings. We can see, so we can read. We can talk, we can ask questions. We can get around, so we can go to different teachers. So that means that this body we have is exceptional in that it gives us all the tools to be able to be on the path to awakening. There are some people who can't hear, but then they can still see and they can still speak. Some people can't speak, but they can hear and see. So maybe people don't have all their faculties, but if you have enough faculties to be able to study, to be able to meditate, to be able to put what uh, you've studied into practice, then you have a precious human birth. You have this special, special gift. And to waste this gift is a crime. Because, you know, we don't know what is coming next. Some people believe in rebirth, some people don't. I mean, whether we believe in it or not doesn't really matter. If it's there, it's there. If it's not there, it's not there. But what we do know is we have this life, this body, this chance. So to waste it on petty things like talking about the weather, we're just wasting our life. Our life, our number one priority should be meditation and working towards awakening. Because all the the things that you're causing yourself to suffer, I mean mental suffering, like discontentment, dissatisfaction, and unease with life, all these things are stemming from you perceiving the world in the wrong way. So if we start to see the world as it really is, all those things drop away. In a way, it's our duty to start to work on this path of awakening. It's our duty, we have this precious human life. We have the time to sit and to study. We have the time to meditate. There are many people who can't, many people who just have to get up in the morning, work really hard just to get enough money to feed their family. But you know, we're not in that situation. You can understand them not wasting their time on being on the path to awakening because to them it's about survival, staying alive, keeping their family alive. So you can understand that they aren't going to be on this path of awakening. But we're not like that. We have enough money to survive. We have enough money to be able to feed ourselves, feed our family. We have the faculties, all our faculties of hearing and seeing. So we are so special. And you should give this thought, next time you think, oh I can't be bothered to meditate, or I can't be bothered to study. Keep this in the front of your mind, that you have this precious, precious gift. And you know, as we get older and older and older, it gets harder to start changing our mind, changing our life. So now's the time to do it. Not put it off till when the children are grown, when I've retired, when I've got enough money in the bank. All of these things, who knows that if we ever reach that point, if we could ever reach the point of you know, retiring. We don't know that. But what we do know is that right at this moment, we have all the faculties, we have a special human life, right at this moment. And to not use that in a way that's gonna help you and help all sentient beings is a crime. It's silly, it's selfish. So we must remember that next time that we can't be bothered. We can't be bothered to come to the center to do meditation. We can't be bothered to, to study or reflect or be mindful. Just keep bringing that back into your mind that you are a very, very special person and don't waste that. Don't waste that idea of being a special person. Use what you've got, this special gift you've got, to start being on that path to awakening your mind. Not just for you, for all sentient beings. Open up your mind. To help all sentient beings. Now what better way to use this life? You know, we could use it by just sitting here talking about how hot it is, how cold it is, how this person had said that to me and how this person never treats me very good and how I don't seem to be having good luck and all things like that. We could be just spend our whole day talking about that. Or we could put our special gift to use and study, meditate, grow wisdom, be on the path to awakening. So number one is to keep that in your mind. Just keep that I am a special person. And we're not saying I'm a special person to make you feel narcissistic or to make you feel like, oh, look at me, I'm special. It's just to show you that you have this wonderful gift and don't waste that gift. So verse 2 is, The practice of all the buddhisattvas is to leave behind one's homeland, where our attachment to family and friends overwhelms us like a torrent. While our aversion towards enemies rages inside us like a blazing fire and delusions darkness obscures what must be adopted and abandoned. A bodhisattva would have to pull himself away if he's on the path to awakening, pull himself away from his homeland and from his family. So, of course... This, we're only into verse 2, and it's already become difficult. (laughs) Because for a lot of people, they love their family, they love their homeland. But what it's saying here is that that love for your family and that love for your homeland is causing you attachment. And from attachment comes all sorts of things like jealousy, pride. There's two sides to that. Sometimes we're happy with our family and we all get on and we love each other and it's wonderful and we get attached to that. And then something happens and we start fighting with our family and then we grow aversion towards the family. We have to leave the family life. So, of course, no, not everybody can be a monk. So as a monk? Look, me, I've become a monk. I left my country. I left my family behind. I mean, I still get in touch. I go home now and again. But I left them behind so I could concentrate on doing my practice. Because if I'm at home, then I'll start to get involved in different things. My sisters will say, oh, mother did this. Or mother would say, my sister did that. Or my father would say, what are you doing? And we get all entangled in family life. So if you really, really want to be on the path to awakening, then you have to leave the family home. Now, okay, of course, here, uh, most people, they're married to people, they have children. So it's very difficult. But, you know, even then, you can ensure that your love for your family and your love for your children is that. It's love. It's not attachment. It's not about holding on to them. It's about loving them. So love is saying, um, I want you to be happy. That's what love is. Attachment is saying, I want you to make me happy. They're two different things, love and attachment. So even though you can't get up and just run away from your family and your responsibilities and that, you can see that they are holding you back and look at them, meditate on uh, what things you're attached to and start to let go of that attachment because that will help you on the Bodhisattva path. And also see that the things that you uh, have aversion towards, so the opposite to attachment, you know, attachment I want and aversion is I don't want. So have a look at the things that I don't want, at the things that, you know you're trying hard to push away because again it's a, it's a form of attachment we're attached to the things that we don't want we're attached to the process of pushing everything away so we don't have to deal with that so even though you can't just get up and give up your homeland you can't just walk away from your responsibilities and your family you can ensure that your love is love it's about them it's not about you. If it's attachment, it's about you and how they fit into your life. Look carefully at that because you can actually change those. And we also have the, this delusion that the family is what it's all about. My homeland and my family, that's me, that's my identity. And this is a delusion. It's not you. That family is not you. You were born into that family and you're a part of that fan, but it isn't who you are. I mean, those things are ever-changing, so they can't be who you are. Attachment, aversion, delusion are the three poisons. And these poisons will drag you down and down into samsara. So we mentioned samsara in the first verse. So samsara is the life we're leading, the life of attachment, the life of aversion, life of thinking i'm a solid independent self so this is samsara we're in this circle of just going round and just changing moment to moment and doing nothing about it whereas the path to awakening is going to break that and then we're heading not going round in circle we're heading in new direction a direction of awakening our mind a direction of understanding the way the world is But we can never do that when we're being dragged down by the three poisons, when we're totally getting attached to things, when we have aversion to things, and when we're deluded about the way life really is. Those three key poisons there are just going to keep you going round in this circle of change. And it's never going to break unless you do something about it. And the way to do something about it, the way in this verse it's saying to do something about it, is to pull away from your family and pull away from your home life. But another way to break this cycle is to understand that you have this precious birth and do something about it. Start putting yourself on that path to awakening. Okay, you can't run away from your homeland and you can't leave your family and responsibilities. Okay, I get that. But what you can do is just ensure that you're not being poisoned by attachment and by aversion or hatred and being deluded about the way life is. To stop being deluded about the way life is, study. Understand that things are impermanent. Study and meditate on that. Practice it. Understand that things are coming about through causes and conditions, not by magic, not that they just magically happened or some superpower made it happen. It's through causes and conditions. Understand that. Get knowledge of that. Meditate on that. Turn that into wisdom. And with attachment, understand that love is not attachment we have this awful thing that where we think that you know if i love somebody i've got to really hold on to them and that means yes i love them but it doesn't mean that at all love like i said just now love is about i want you to be happy love is about you want somebody else to be happy it's not about you It's selfless, not selfish. Attachment is totally selfish. It's about you. It's about you wanting them to be in your life. You wanting them to be a certain way. You want them to make me happy. I want you to do this. I want you to do that with your life. I want you to be like this. That's not love. There's no loving that. You're just trying to change somebody to suit you. And just remember that you're deluded. So you're trying to make them deluded like you. Now where's the love in that? There is no love in that. That's attachment. Over the next few months, you really got to understand that love is one thing, attachment is another. That will be a huge step forward for you i see in this day and age one of the biggest problems is this attachment and thinking love and attachment are the same things and if we can break that one we stop deluding ourselves two we start let people be who they really are which is compassion just think i'm trying to mold you into something i want you to to be where's the compassion in that then It's not. It's selfishness on my part trying to make you fit into my world. Whereas, love, I just sit back and I watch you be you. I just look at you and watch you grow. Of course, if we're talking about children, we will guide them so they don't hurt themselves. You won't make them something that you couldn't be or something you wanted to be and you didn't have the opportunity or just something you want them to be. This is attachment. This is not love. It's not saying, I love you. It's saying, I want to control you. So this is a huge poison for us, holding on to things, grasping at things, holding them tight, and particularly people So if you're going to stay, if we have to stay with the family, okay, I get it. But then don't stay with them, holding on to them, molding them, trying to control them. Stay with them with love. And then you're dealing with that poison. When they do things that you don't like, then we get angry, we get aversion towards that. Because they're not acting the way we want them to be, again. It's about control. Everybody makes mistakes, they're human beings. We're all human beings. So help them through their mistakes, but don't try to change them and mold them into what you think is correct, or what you think should be. That's delusion. So these three poisons are what are going to hold you going round in this circle this circle of samsara, the attachment, the aversion, and the delusion are gonna really, really hold you back. So though we've only just started the two verses, they're really quite two powerful verses here. The first thing we should really understand that we have this special human life. Don't waste that. Study, meditate, practice. Put yourself on that path to awakening. And just be careful of attachment, aversion, and delusion. Just keep checking with yourself. Is that love, or is this just me molding them into who I want them to be? Check that. And when you have aversion towards things, check that. Why? What is it about me that hates that? That person or that thing, that behavior? what is it why do i and then look at your delusion just see how you are deluded how we are actually living in a world where we believe that things are permanent we believe people say all the time yeah it was meant to be you see on facebook and instagram little things that you know things will happen in the right time in the way that they're supposed to happen that's not true Things happen because they happen, because of causes and conditions. Not because magically it was the right time for you. You can't say it's the right time to be knocked down by a bus, can you? Is there ever a good time to be knocked down by a bus? There's not. So how can we say things happened at the right time for us? For me, there would never be a time when I think, OK, yeah, everything sorted in my life. Now the right time to be knocked down by a bus. I don't think so. So life doesn't work that way. So check your delusion. Understand suffering. Study and understand what mental suffering really means and where it comes from. Understand impermanence. Understand causes and condition. Understand the difference between love and attachment. Because this will break your delusion. There's a lot in just these first two verses for people to really study and to contemplate on. This is the end of this podcast, but don't forget, you can find more of my podcasts at buddhismguide.org. Thank you so much for listening, and until the next time, bye.